Welcome to the Sound Words Podcast, where our goal is to help Christians love and live out God's Word. Pastor Jesse, last Sunday night, you delivered your 10th scripture-filled, truth-packed Sunday evening sermon on theology proper from our Summer in the Systematics series. How do you feel? Um, tired, <laughs> grateful, um, just grateful. Grateful that we were able to, to, to work through such an important topic. Uh, grateful for the impact it seems to have had. Grateful that I can take a bit of a breather, uh, having yeah, gone through good. that many weeks on that uh, deep of a topic, but just grateful. Yeah, amen. I'm grateful for you as well. I mean, the material you gave us was great. I'm so glad that it's all online. Uh, people can access it on our website. And even the slides you went through, I think, are so helpful. There were like hundreds at a time. <laughs> so, But they're a great resource um, to use for further study. So I definitely would recommend that to our listeners. But today, I'd like to probe a little further into why you picked this series for our church and why studying theology is important for every Christian today. My first question for you is, what was your thought process for starting your preaching ministry with Summer in the Systematics, as opposed to a verse-by-verse exposition of a book of the Bible? Yeah, a couple of ways to answer that question. Uh, First of all, we have the privilege here at Indian Hills of having both a morning and an evening service. So it wouldn't be accurate to say that I wasn't doing verse-by-verse exposition during the summer. I was just in the morning. Um, So what I chose to do is teach more of a theological survey uh, in the evening. And, you know, when you have an evening service, as we do, and I'm so happy that we do, you have a little bit more flexibility to try some new things, to teach different ways, introduce guest speakers and topics and the like. So... um, that's what we did with uh, summer in the systematics, and and as as to why teaching systematic theology this summer, a few reasons. One is uh, just the weakness in the modern day church, speaking broadly, to its exposure or really lack thereof, and lack of familiarity with various aspects of the ten traditional categories of systematic theology. You really need to look no further than the recent Ligonier Lifeway Church Survey. Uh, I forgot the actual web address. Maybe we can put it in the show notes later. But there was a 2020 survey of what the average American churchgoer believes, Hmm. theological beliefs. You know, what do they believe about the Trinity? What do they believe about the virgin birth? What do they believe about the Bible? What is their version of the gospel? And the beliefs of the average American churchgoer were, frankly, frightening. So, um, you know, one of the the, the thought processes for me was, I know Indian Hills has a wonderful, rich legacy of of a systematic exposition of the scriptures, but I just want to make sure we are um, going back from time to time and making sure that we are a church that is firmly committed to and rooted in sound doctrine. You know, yeah, I mean, sound doctrine, the word sound there really means healthy. Do we have a healthy doctrine? Uh, This series was a way to communicate to our church that as we have been in the past, uh, we are going to be rigorously committed to sound doctrine, uh, to have a comprehensive and robust understanding of systematic theology, all of it, Mm -hmm. uh, from theology proper to Christology to bibliology to ecclesiology to eschatology, not not any one of those, but all of those. So that was was part of the thought process. And, And frankly, Aaron, I get really excited when I think about how the Lord could continue to use and and bless and build this church as our people become even more theologically aware and doctrinally strong over the years. So that was that was one of the thoughts was uh, just making sure we are 
fully invested in and fully committed to sound doctrine. Another one was um, I, I really wanted to dissuade anyone out there sitting in the audience or listening in online that there's some sort of disconnect between theological study and biblical interpretation and, and Bible study. You know, if we want to think about this the right way, it's, it's this way. Sound doctrine, theology, lays on top of biblical interpretation. It's all rooted in biblical interpretation, studying the scriptures. So what we've just come through is this intensive uh, 10-week look at one category of systematic theology, theology proper. But the, the theology I was teaching wasn't my theology. Uh, it wasn't the, even the theology of the various theologians that were quoted throughout the series. Rather, it was theology that's derived from learning, growing in, and, and studying the scriptures. I just want to completely blow up the idea that, that, that theology and the Bible are different things. Good theology is rooted in the Bible. Um, why Summer in the Systematics? Here's another reason. Um, as I mentioned several times throughout the study, uh, this is going to be a seasonal teaching that we do here, hence the title, Summer in, in the Systematics. Uh, I'm not going to be up there like a seminary professor, you know, lecturing every Sunday night throughout the year. Rather, what our people are going to continue to get is going to be a steady diet of regular verse-by-verse exposition, as they have been in years prior, um, on Sunday nights to go along with the teaching that they get from God's Word that happens on Sunday morning. So it's really a combination of all those factors, just uh, doubling down on our commitment to sound doctrine, um, dissuading the, the idea that doctrine and the Bible are distinct or different, and um, remembering that we're always going to be a verse-by-verse exposition church. Um, that happens Sunday morning. It will happen most Sunday evenings. Some people have a disconnect between doctrine and Bible study or Bible reading. Uh, I think even sometimes people are turned off by the terms doctrine and theology, and they find them boring or impractical. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what would you say to that? If somebody is is not committed to, to theology or, or doctrine, I, I would question what Bible they're reading. Um, the words doctrine, the word doctrine is is in the scriptures. It's it's in the pastorals. Uh, it's it's an aspect of having a healthy view of who God really is as He's revealed Himself in the Word. Doctrine and theology are are really the. If you look at the Bible as the foundation, doctrine and theology are the house that are built on top of that foundation. Um, and doctrine and theology, in some ways, are just the ways that we can sort of categorize the yeah. ways that God has revealed himself. They're really tools to help us understand and contemplate the divine um, so that we're not, you know, being twisted here and there by every wave and wind of there's the word doctrine. Yeah, right? there it is. And they help us answer questions too. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we're attacked, when others ask questions about who God is in the Bible, we can answer based off of what we know from our systematic theology, which is rooted and grounded in scripture. Right. So what you're talking about is the practical side of, yeah. of doctrine, yeah. right? It impacts everything. It impacts the gospel that we share. Mm-hmm. Is it? Do we understand the biblical gospel? That's an that's an aspect of doctrine. It impacts how we interact in the workforce in the workplace. It interacts our with our our marriages and our our parenting and our stewardship and and every other aspect of life. These are all facets of the doctrine that we extract from the pages of Scripture. So again, it's it's. It's not just a throwaway word. It's not a word for eggheads and seminarians. Uh, it, it's a word that really is uh, essential to the Christian life, that, that word doctrine. Yeah. It's, been, it's been rightly said, 
that we're all theologians. Yeah, I agree. The, the, the issue and the question is, are we good ones? Mm-hmm. Are we biblical ones? Mm-hmm. Yep. So you started the Summer in the Systematics series with Theology Proper, the Doctrine of God. Uh, can you just, just help us just review that definition of Theology Proper and shed more light on why you began the series with that topic? Sure. Uh, in terms of definition, Theology Proper is the systematic study of the Bible's teachings about God's existence, uh, God's revelation, namely of himself, uh, God's attributes, God's names, God's works, God's triunity, meaning his existence as three persons, though of, of one essence, and how those persons relate to one another. Uh, that's the, the basic definition. Um, his, the systematic teachings of what the Bible reveals about each of those categories I just rattled off. Okay, now, if you had to explain that to my six-year-old daughter, what is theology proper? The doctrine of God. There we go. <laughs> that's all I would say. <laughs> the doctrine of God. The, the God that your mom and dad teach you about, that's what theology proper is, studying that God. Um, why I began with this topic, there are a lot of reasons. I think the main one, though, is is just how foundational this topic is. Just the way I said it about your your, your daughter, it's the doctrine of God, mm-hmm. the very God of the Who universe. Is Who is God? I think of John 17, 3, uh, Jesus there and that in the high priestly prayer says, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God. Uh, that's at the heart, I believe, of the study of God, the study of theology proper. We want to make sure that the God we say we are worshiping is, in fact, the only true God, not some figment of our imagination. We want to make sure we're not worshiping an idol, uh, a, a so-called God whom we would like to worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, a so-called God who is somehow made in our image, scary thought, um, as opposed to the true God as he has revealed himself on the pages of Scripture. And he has given us so much to know about him on the pages of the Bible, hasn't he? I mean, that's, that was the, the, the essence of the 10-week study. Well, he's revealed himself through his names, El Shaddai, El Olam, Yahweh. Uh, he's revealed himself through his titles, Lord, Rock, shield, strength. Uh, He's revealed himself through his works, creation, history, redemption. Uh, He's revealed himself through his attributes, goodness, mercy, wrath. Uh, He's revealed himself through various aspects of his wisdom and his sovereignty as he brings his perfect purposes and plans to pass. Uh, And he's revealed himself through his triune nature, this one God existing eternally in three persons. Um, So the study of the aspects of God's being. Each of those aspects of God's being, his character and his nature, they're just foundational to the Christian faith. So to maybe flip your question around, I don't know where else I would start for a systematic study, but through studying first and foremost, the person, the nature, the character of God. Yeah. And practically, you know, we need that. Like you said, Ephesians 5, 1 says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. If we are to be imitators of God, we need to know God. Absolutely. We need to know who he is. And theology proper is a means to that end. Indeed. So I imagine you enjoyed your study uh, in preparing for these sermons. Mm-hmm. Uh, just what were some of your key takeaways from studying and preparing uh, to teach the theology proper to our church? Hmm. So many. And I already alluded to it earlier, and I said it a couple of times in the, in the, in the series itself, and I know this is not really about theology proper, this part of the, the answer, but I seriously love that we have an evening service to, to <laughs> do studies like this. I'm just going to say it again. 
I love that we have a church that's committed and a body that's committed to coming out and, and, and enjoy a truly consecrated Lord's Day where we can hear God's word preached in the Sunday morning context and, and, and fellowship and gather and sit and learn and, and, and be equipped. But I love that we can go home after we have our lunch with our family or our afternoon nap or after we mow the lawn or whatever we do and come back and close out the Lord's Day together and, and hear something like this doctrine taught to, 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 to each other. So um, I just want to say that first, first off. But other key takeaways from the, the study itself, I mean, simply and first and foremost, coming away with how majestic and awesome the living God is. Uh, he is no tribal deity. He's, he's the creator and the upholder of galaxies and stars and every breath that we take. Yeah. How could we not be in awe of that God? Uh, he's not a God who is fickle or moody. No, the scriptures teach that all of his ways are perfect. Uh, he's not a God who is subject to the, the shifting winds of culture. Malachi 3.6, I, the Lord, do not change. He's a God who's all-powerful. Uh, he has the power to bring the curtain down immediately on creation and wipe out a sinful and rebellious world. But he's also merciful and patient and loving and has offered forgiveness for sin. And he's stayed his judgment on the world because he does not wish that any would perish, but that all would reach repentance, as 2 Peter 3.9 says. So the, he is just an amazing, majestic, powerful, all-wise, all-good, almighty God. That, that was one key takeaway. Yeah. Um, another one is just, again, being in awe that, that he would offer a way for sinful creatures like you and me to somehow be in relation to him. I think of Psalm 8, 4, which is more in the context of creation, but that, that phrase, what is man, that you take thought of him. Uh, that, that you created him, that you sustain him, that you give him breath and life and movement and being and experiences and culvers and other <laughs> tasty experiences. I mean, marriage and children and grandchildren and joyful experiences. Uh, what is man that you allow any of that to happen? And the response is, how majestic is your name and, in amen. all the earth? Amen. Amen. And, and then what is man that you decide to, to grant salvation and, and a restored relationship to you and, and securing a, a, an eternal abode for that same sinful man that doesn't deserve it. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. So th that's another takeaway is just that we, people like you and me and all of us listening or all those listening, have the ability to be restored and reconciled to that God. Yeah. And I know that's personal for you too. I know early when we were having coffee uh, before I was hired and maybe before you were full-time yet at mm -hmm. the time, um, I asked you what is one of your favorite doctrines to study? And you said the character and attributes of God. Sure. Who God is, because that impacts every yes. aspect of your life. It takes you all the way back to who he is, who you are, recognizing the immense gulf between the two and just falling on your face and being grateful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, an another takeaway, um, and this came out a couple of times, especially this last week, is is helping our church see that there are theologians from other camps, theological camps than the ones that, that we're in, who have made very helpful and very significant contributions to this field of theology proper, whom, whom we would benefit from reading on this subject. It doesn't mean that we buy into everything that those theologians say about every topic that they've ever spoken on, 
but what they've contributed on the doctrine of God, theology proper, is superior. So I, I don't want us to be afraid to study what those theologians, the ones I quoted, for instance, the Bavinks and the Burkhoffs and others, have said in the doctrine of God, even though we might not agree with everything else they've said about everything else they, they wrote on. Sure. Um, I think that's an aspect of theological growth for us, um, theological maturity for us, mm-hmm. um, and even theological humility. So um, those were some of the thoughts I would have on that. Yeah, wonderful. With the scripture as our source, I mean, we bet every other voice we hear through the word of God. Amen. So why should we study theology proper on our own time? Yeah, um, Hopefully that's... Even that, outside of Sunday evening services. For sure. And you heard me, man. I, those teachings on Sunday night were like a racehorse. I was, you alluded to it. I was trying to get through a hundred plus slides every Sunday night, meaning we have something like a thousand or so slides There's out there. There's a lot there, yeah. Um, to, for people to consult <laughs> if they want to look at stuff. that. It's It's great. <laughs> but yeah, the study should leak out from Sunday night and and... Lord willing, we'll see many people diving deep into their studies of this doctrine as they understand the very God that they are in relationship with. And that, that again, has all those benefits that we've already worked through. But one reason we should study theology proper is the one I've already mentioned about how foundational a topic this is. What, what else would we want to study? Who else would we want to study but the living God? Um, also, theology proper today it sounds like such a mouthful, theology proper, theology proper. It's really a hot button topic today. Um, a lot of ink is being spilled in our day. A lot of books are being written in our, our day. Uh, many debates are raging in the Twitterverse in our day on matters relating to theology proper. You know, questions are being thrown around like, should we consult the works of Catholic theologians in developing our understanding of God and his person, his personhood and his existence? Should we read, for instance, the works of Thomas Aquinas in his views on the Trinity? Um, to what extent should we go back and rely on what people are calling the great tradition? Uh, that means the writings of various 4th century theologians like Gregory of Nazianzus and Basil of Caesarea to develop our own understanding of the doctrine of God. What role do creeds and councils and confessions play in developing a, a lowercase o orthodox view of God? How do the persons of the Godhead relate to each other? Father, Son, and Spirit. Is God the Son eternally the Son of God the Father? Um, what do we mean when we refer to, this was last week's topic, the eternal generation of God the Son or the eternal procession of God the Spirit? And how do we hold to those doctrines without talking about those two persons being created by God the Father? Uh, here's another one. Is there a sense in which God the Son, though equal in essence to God the Father, is eternally, functionally subordinate? Mm -hmm. The doctrine is called EFS, to God the Father in the divine economy of the Trinity. I'm not answering those questions today, by the way. (laughs) I was was waiting for the answers. (laughs) No, but these are very real issues and questions and debates that are swirling around um, Christianity today. And, And hopefully what studying theology proper did this summer is at least equip people to start thinking through those questions and how to address those questions with that biblical foundation that you just referred to. Um, The last one is it's a very practical topic, as we've sort of already covered. Um, Theology proper, I would say, deepens our appreciation for the gospel. It's 
that God who saved us. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's that God with whom we've been reconciled. It's that God with whom we'll spend eternity. What's more practical than that? Um, Studying this doctrine sharpens our prayers. We know who we're addressing, who we're praying to, uh, what his character is, what his nature, his attributes are. As we even as we even bring those into our prayers, as we adore him using yeah. the ACTS uh, acronym. And, and it fuels worship. It inflames the way in which we approach him in singing songs of worship. As we revere his word, as we fellowship with, with his people, um, it helps us just d- develop a clear and more accurate picture in our limited understanding as fallen, finite human beings of who the living God is. It's we don't have infinite knowledge, of course, we aren't God, but we have, uh, because of his goodness and kindness and revealing himself to us, a glimpse into who he is. So what I hear you saying is that theology proper is for everyone, the child and the adult professor of a seminary, because theology proper is, is knowable. Um, we can know God, but he's also infinitely deep, Amen. meaning there is much more to God than we even have in the pages of scripture. We just have the fringes of his ways, as it says in Job. Yeah, it's what Um, he's chosen to reveal to us. And that is for us. That's right. And our sons forever, mixing Deuteronomy in there too. Hey, why not? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, so if we were to dive further, what are some resources you'd recommend for further studies into theology proper? Yeah, just a few. um, And and these hit different um, topics and they scratch different itches, if I can say it that way. Um, one would be Floyd Barakman's Practical Christian Theology. Uh, it's a, it's a handbook size systematic theology, very digestible, very easy to read. And he's got two great chapters, um, on theology proper, including a chapter, by the way, on God the Father. So there have been some interesting books written in the past, including by one by an author whose name I won't mention, talking about how the Holy Spirit is the forgotten God. I actually think if you look at most theological libraries today, the forgotten God, if you could say it that way, the forgotten person of the Godhead is God the Father. Hmm. There really is very little written on God the Father. Floyd Barachman's Practical Christian Theology corrects that. He has a whole chapter on uh, God the Father. It, the, the theological term is paterology. Mm-hmm. Um, pater is the Greek word for, for father. Um, another one is Ryan Rippey, R-I-P-P-E-E. Uh, he wrote That God May Be All in All, which is another book specifically on God the Father. And and he, like Barakman, is 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 highlighting uh, the person and the work of God the Father um, and how important it is to study his, his personhood and his works um, as we study the Godhead. Um, A.W. Pink's The Attributes of God is a great work on, as the title suggests, The Attributes of God as is A.W. Tozer's Knowledge of the Holy. And if anybody wants to go, wants to go a little bit deeper, uh, The Doctrine of God by Herman Bovink is a really excellent treatment of, of the topic of theology proper. Like I've said already, would we agree with everything Bovink ever wrote? No. Um, d- has he done an excellent treatment of theology proper? Yes. Well, thank you. That's a very helpful list. And I know uh, many listeners will take advantage of it. We'll even put um, those resources in our show notes here so that others can find them. Thank you for listening to the Sound Words podcast. Um, Pastor Jesse, I also want to thank you for 
preaching the Summer in the Systematics series and specifically on theology proper. It's been very helpful to me personally, and I know to our entire congregation as we look into who God is. Amen. Well, hopefully you're ready for next summer when we talk about bibliology. All right. That'll be our next category of Summer in the Systematics. Can't wait. And for, for you listening, please remember to review and like and share this podcast that helps us appear in more searches. And you can also send in your questions to questions at soundwords.org. Maybe you have a question about theology proper, uh, about uh, something Pastor Jesse shared during his evening sermons. We'll do our best to answer your question on a future episode. Pastor Jesse, any last words for us today? Yeah, I'd love to end with the scripture that I read at the very beginning of the whole series, Summer in the Systematics, Psalm 145.3, Great is the Lord and highly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. That was such an amazing exercise to go through uh, attempting to probe the depths of the unsearchable, you know, the unsearchable God ultimately, and go through that process of what my old theology professor Jim Mook said is blessed despair. You know, the blessing of knowing we are studying the divine, but that despairing and, and knowing that we'll never get to the bottom of it. And and nor should we, frankly, right. because we're created beings. But um, it, it really was a summer of blessed despair, I hope. Hopefully more blessing than despair. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thank you for the opportunity to, to allow me to teach that. And I think we can find those videos. They would be either on the YouTube page for Indian Hills, which is Sound Words. Yeah. If you search for Sound Words... You, you'll find us. Or, or on our face, the Indian Hills Facebook page. Yep. All right. My final, final word for this episode is the same final word from 2 Timothy 1.13. Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Pastor Jesse. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.